You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're brought to you by rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail, and you can follow Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Saw you do something with Owen also this weekend. Yes, Nada. yes cool. I did. Now we, I did. Now we both have been well represented. Yeah, I ran my mouth entirely too much that hey, day. Me too, that, man. That, that Saturday. Me too. That Owen. He'll get you. Shout out to Owen, man. Doing a good job mm-hmm. over there um, and helping us out. Get some pub. Also, some good conversations with Owen Watterson. Anyways, all right, let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets depth chart going into the next yes. couple of days, Nada. So I actually joined Josh Lloyd to do the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets depth chart preview, right? Going into this season and how the backcourt yeah. would shape up the starting lineup players that would still be a part of the rotation, but the bench guys, and then maybe even some players out of the rotation. And it was a really good conversation going back and forth, just mm-hmm. kind of breaking down a couple of different things. So just to, preview to the listeners out there. What I think we're going to do is we'll break down how we think the backcourt rotation is going to shape up, maybe go front court tomorrow, maybe make that like kind of the threes and fours. And then we either Mm -hmm. go Friday or maybe go Thursday, the big guys, maybe, you know, kind of mix that in with rookies, whatever else we have. Um, Also trying to figure out maybe a guest to bring on this week, but I don't want to make any promises because again, it's well established that we don't always follow through on that. So I'm not promising anything, but we'll see. Um, That's a smart move. That's a smart move on your part. I mean, also remember there is, we did promise like a heroes of the honeycomb. That was you. Don't don't bring me into this. That was you. That was you doing the honeycomb hero. You promised that nada. And so therefore you need to apologize to the people. If you do not come up with a honeycomb hero. I, I will happily apologize. What you talking about? I don't mind apologizing. I've never been one to avoid apologizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I roll big time. I roll anyways. Um, there you yeah, go. we can, there we you, can do a honeycomb hero. We can do it all right. We've got, we've got enough time. We're doing uh, three it's shows. It's the off season, buddy. You said what? <laughs> it's the off season. Yeah. So it's yeah. the off season. We got honeycomb heroes. Uh, we can work with as well. All right, let's go ahead and dive in to the backcourt. So with this starting lineup, Josh Lloyd had me, you know, come up with starters and then the guys that were coming off of the bench. And just to Mm -hmm. give you an overview of the starters, I think is going to happen. It's LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. I put Miles Bridges at four and Mason at five. We'll go to the front court in the next couple of days. But let's start with that backcourt starters, right? LaMelo and Terry. Along with Gordon, LaMelo and Terry, that's going to be the easiest decision to make. You just gave Terry a big old extension. We know what kind of role he's played for this team the past couple of seasons. LaMelo Ball was rookie of the year. Somebody that took over Devontae Graham's spot being that starting point guard. You're going to roll with LaMelo. That's a Mm -hmm. no-brainer. So the starters, very clearly, it's going to be LaMelo. Then it's going to be Terry. Uh, let's start just with the kind of year, the minutes, how much they're going to rely on LaMelo this year, Nada. Uh, do you, what kind of stats 
do you think that LaMelo is going to put up in his sophomore season along with just the reliability that everyone is going to have? Is, is he going to shoulder a ton of the load or do you still think Gordon and Terry help him a lot with that as well? What's the kind of year you expect? It's funny because I'm looking at his stats. He only played 51 games, granted a lot of that due, due to the wrist, but only like 28 minutes. You got to figure that's going up at least what would you think at least five minutes a game and with the way they've done the way they've shaped this roster the other thing that you can kind of tell he's going to be like holding like his usage rate should go up tremendously because i'm I'm going to go take a look at that right quick but that's the that's one of the bigger things that i'm noticing is that he really didn't have a high usage rate he was kind of used in a nice little spot where there was only so much that, again, that was only one thing. He did lead the team. I'm sorry. He led the team at 26.1% in usage rate. I, th- I expect that to go up, mainly because I think they've set him up to be the primary distributor. And I do think they're going to try and turn teams over a little bit better than they did last year. And they're going to be ones that, I, I would. how would I put this? There, he's going to be the one that everyone everyone's going to just basically eat off of. Terry Rozier did it last year. Gordon Hayward, not so much because he missed so much time. But I would probably be remiss if saying that I expect his numbers to get better. But at the same time, I expect his typical points per game to go up, minutes per game to go up, maybe even the field goal percentage to go up. I also kind of expect his efficiency to go down only because he's going to be burden with a little bit more because if we know anything about this roster and anything about the way that the horns develop they'd rather give you too much than not enough and then go from there and then figure out okay that's too much he's not going to be able to do that and figure out where to go from there because i think that's so if you're so if you're wondering like i think the counting stats are going to get better Efficiency gets worse, and it makes complete sense in my in my eyes. Yeah, so if you look at uh, his 21 starts before that injury, and it actually coincides with the first day of February in that game against Miami, that was the first game he suited up for as a starter after that Milwaukee Bucks outing. His numbers were pretty ridiculous in the 21 starts Fair. before the injury he suffered. He averaged 19 and a half points. He averaged 6.2 assists per game, 5.8 rebounds per game. And those 19 and a half points, it came on 42.6, three point percent shooting. Okay. That came on six attempts from beyond the arc per game. That's an outstanding number. And then he shot 46.4% from the field. And so you're kind of hoping that the two-point percentage, him finishing at the rim, that that is something that continues to go up. Hopefully the off-season training regiment, that hopefully has allowed him to be a little stronger as he grows up into the NBA. But those numbers are insane when you talk about the 21 starts before he got injured now once you and by the way all of that was at about 32 minutes per game once you include the 10 games after injury he goes down to 18 points a game he goes down to 38 percent shooting from three on basically the same attempts 43.8 percent from the field so that's what he was doing as a starter and the stats go down because of that injury even talked about that in the exit interview how he felt like he couldn't get the extension he couldn't get the flick of that wrist after he was done following through 
Um, and so it, it just it felt uncomfortable, but he said he was good and starting to get better even as that exit interview. I, I think the counting stats, not I think the total points go up. Um, I think that's something that you can probably expect from him. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that's a good thing to rely on that the counting stats are going to go off. Yeah, I mean, so so overall, the numbers, I don't mean to bar, um, bombard you with all the numbers here, right? But overall, if you just the, the first to the 51st game he played 15.7 points per game, average six and six did so 43.6% shooting 3.0% shooting on five attempts per game was at about 35.2, right? So if you're looking at those totals and how it goes up, I do think the points go up. I'm going to guess not a probably around 18 points a game, something like that. I don't think it's going to yeah. go fully to what he was doing. The 21 before he got injured, the games that he started, I'm going to guess about 18. I think he gets more assists this year. And Josh Lloyd brought something interesting to me up that I I've never, uh, I'd never had relayed back, but the assist rate was actually down a little bit once he became a starter. Now it probably makes sense that Terry Rozier, he's got the basketball in his hands quite a bit. Gordon Hayward is somebody that's going to have the basketball in his hands quite a bit. So once you move, he started a lot with Devonte Graham too also. So it, I think that part needs to sure. get like, so there's that part. Sure. Devante. I mean, you're, you're starting to play with the Devante a little more. Also, uh, all of those guys have the basketball in their hands. And now, you know, you're talking about, you know, a Malik and a Devante gone. Kelly, Kelly is someone that you're probably relying to be more set up by a LaMelo as much, not to say that he can't get his own shot, but we, we know LaMelo can probably set him up a little more. All that to say, I don't think that happens again. I think the assist rate, it goes back to what he was when he was a bench player before he started, maybe even more. Give me 18, seven assists. Still think he probably hovers around that six total rebound mark. The three-point percentage, Nada, I'm good if he Yeah, can, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you about. I was like, so I just hope that he can stay at 36%. I mean, and I know if, if 30 and I say stay, that's what he was as a starter. It would be down, um, but it was 35 overall. If you can stay at 36, not a, I'm still all good on that. If he can remain <laughs> that efficient be. from beyond the arc. And then hopefully the, I, I would like to see like 45, 36 on the efficiency. If that's the case, then that's an outstanding year. No, it's an absolute, it's absolutely outstanding. He's just got to be dangerous enough for you to be taken for him to be taken seriously. Like, as long as you can take him seriously in the three-point game and as long as you have to take him seriously, then that's just going to have to be good enough. And as long as he can do that to where they're not literally playing off of him, as long as, as he doesn't become Tyreek Evans, I think everybody should be okay with whatever he does. Because the biggest thing that kept Tyreek Evans from taking that next step after his Rookie of the Year performance was the fact that re he really couldn't shoot threes. He could You could legitimately play off of him. And then at the same point, just not have to. He was he was a bigger Rondo. That was essentially what he was. So as long as he be as long as Lamelo is good enough to just hit enough threes to where you have to play him straight up, he'll be fine. And I'm not the jump shots. Not what I worry about. And honestly, I think he hits around 38. 38, 39. I mean, you think he's year. just a legitimately good three point shooter? That, that I mean, that's where that would be. I think. I, I think I, I don't there's a part of me that really just does not believe that the weaknesses the weaknesses with LaMelo I don't believe are with his jump shot I, I and I also think he gets to the bucket a lot more this year than we think and I also think he's going to start stop taking as many of those bad threes as he took 
last year. So I, I'm I'm of the mind that with an improved shot selection, slightly worked on shot, slightly tweaked shot, I, I can see 38-39. Um, minutes per game, he played 32. I would expect that to go up as well. He played 32 minutes in the games that he started before that injury. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think just even with no Devonte Graham and with having James Booknight in the backcourt, Cody Martin, even an Ish Smith, Ish Smith gave the whiz about 20 minutes per contest last year. Uh, Lamella is going to go up to what? 36, 37. I mean, I think Borrego is going to ride him, man. I really do. And, and I don't know. I don't know exactly how much, uh, how much that goes up obviously, but I think he'll go to 36 minutes per game. And so uh, you'll see LaMelo quite a bit out there. All right. Not enough talking about LaMelo, despite a, oh, that man. being against the, the listeners wishes. Uh, let's go to sweat block. Let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about the main event because there are a few things that are not fun to talk about. Like, so let me put it this way, fellas. I, today was my picture day today. I had to go into the day job office and get some photos. And now, mind you, there are only certain things that, like, there before sweat block, there were only certain things I could wear, couldn't wear. I would have to choose this because you don't want it to be showing through your shirt. You didn't want to be sweating through your shirt. So enter sweat block. And sweat block is more stronger, effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before going to bed. To, Go to bed next morning, you get up, you wash, you wash five days a week, and you go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but I only have to use it a couple of times a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. I don't have to worry about pit stains. I don't have to worry about picking my shirts for important occasions, depending on the color. If you or someone else you love is dealing with this, you got to check it out. Go get it today for 20% off using our code at sweatblock.com, locked on, or go to Amazon or CVS. Trust me, try Sweatblock, save yourself, save, keep dry during this really, really hot summer. All right. Sweatblock, y'all. Sweatblock is the truth. We're in the deodorant as we speak, and that's real stuff right there. All right, let's move on to the next segment. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I don't like doing that. Unless, like, I am totally annoyed. I don't drop the big joker in spades that early. I don't drop the big joker. I only do it when I am officially annoyed. And I don't want to have this conversation. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Walker. The last thing I want to be talking about at 10 at night is Blake Griffin and the possibility of him coming here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. General managers ask questions to find the right players. Like, do they have ice in their veins? When you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help make sure you find candidates with the skills that you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract interview and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. You can do that on Indeed as well. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's get a $75 
$75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Terry Rozier, not a fresh off the big contract. Four years, $97 million. Had a career season mm-hmm. last year. You look at the two-point percentage. That was the biggest outlier. We've mentioned that quite a bit. He continued his elite catch and shooting ways, especially just even shooting in general. He shot extremely well once again, flirting with 40%. The catch and shoot was elite. I think hovering around 45%. Um, the best on the team, among the best reliable guys in the NBA, that's where he makes his bread and butter. That's what got him paid by the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, what kind of year do you expect from Terry now that there's no Devonte, there's no Malik, but there is a James book night and there is a Lamello who is going to be a bigger part. Even after last year, he's still going to be a bigger part. Would of this it be team. far from me to say, I expect Terry's numbers to go down in some aspects, some of it because his shooting numbers were in fact insane. Some of it because there is a, there is a legitimate difference between crowd numbers and and non-crowd numbers like a couple of percentage points negatively compared to no like crowds were a legitimate booster for a lot of shooters so i expect his numbers to go down i think the usage is going to go down simply because uber is there you have book night you have gordon hayward that can play the two in certain spots but at the same time, I expect his honestly, I expect his assist numbers to go up. I expect him in certain aspects, he's going to be the facilitator. I expect him to get better in that regard. I do think that his numbers, scoring numbers are going to go down because obviously he's going to be the number two guy after Gordon Hayward that teams are going to load up on and prepare for and chase off the line. I do wonder, and I know this is something that you were concerned about as well that his two-point percentage numbers are going and finishing at the rim are going to go down, and it may turn him into a one-dimensional player. That's the one concern. But if you're telling me who, uh, again, what his numbers would be or what I assume his numbers are going to be, I'd probably tell you he might end up being closer to the 20. Actually, no. I'll say 18, five assists, maybe three rebounds. And I think he plays probably. Uh, if I felt uh, if I felt confident, I probably tell you he plays thirty minutes this year. I think his numbers come. I think his minutes go down tremendously to help save him from himself and save him from the wear and tear of the roster. I think that's where I'd go with this. And I think he shoots a brown. 37, 38%. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his numbers change all that much. Uh, I can see your point about the assist numbers just because I imagine James Borrego feels a lot better with Terry Rozier being that ball handler in the backcourt more so than the other guys he has. Ish Smith, he's going to come in and he played 20 minutes last year. I expect the same type of role for him. He's someone that does a good job of driving in the paint and kicking out. Um, but he's still not a guy that you want to ride a ton. And so Terry Rozier is going to be asked maybe in some Lamelo minutes where he goes to the bench to dribble the ball a little more, where maybe you would have asked Devante to do that instead of a Terry Rozier. And his, in fact, it's kind of uh, interesting. His usage percentage was up um, compared to the year prior, even with Lamelo being on this team. I imagine that probably shot up as he was the only healthy player that you had. It seemed like uh, yeah. at the end of the season, that's where a lot of people were saying he was getting 
retired. I think the usage percentage probably went up um, during that part. I, in fact, I would, yeah, I'd be willing to bet on it. So you've got the 20 points per game that he scored last year. I probably expect that to go down. And not, I think that's just because if you, if you think that miles increases his scoring load, if you think that PJ is going to increase his scoring load, you think LaMelo is going to increase his scoring load, right? Like even with Devonte and Malik off this team, I still think those guys probably take away a little of Terry's counting stats when it comes to the scoring. I don't think the three point percentage is going to go down. You know, I mean, and if like, if he shoots 38%, then it really didn't go down, yeah. right? Like it's 38.9. You know, if he shoots 38, that's roughly the same. He played 34.3 minutes per game in 2019 and 2020. He played 34.5 last season. I expected to do him to play the same amount of minutes, right? And maybe even honestly, not a you're going down to mm -hmm. a certain degree, man. If I had to guess, I might even go up just because your backcourt, I think it got weaker this year. When, when Malik Monk is cooking offensively Borrego, when he would go to him, he, you at least had that offense yeah. from him. Devante Borrego loved and Devante played a lot of minutes Agreed. last year. I'm interested as we kind of maybe transition this into a James Booknight conversation also, you know, I, I just wonder what Booknight's role with the team in the first month of the season is going to be. And me and Josh Lloyd talked about this. Defense is something Borrego yep. will talk about, and we know how he handled LaMelo last year. Do you see Booknight being a decent part of this basketball team the first month, no. or maybe I just allow you without any qualifiers. What kind of part do you think he's going to be at the beginning he, of the season? He's going to be, how's the best way that I would put this? I don't think he's a part of the rotation to start. I think he's going to have to earn that. I really don't believe that as, as far as the Lamel, as far as book night goes, I think you have to understand that Cody Martin probably is ahead of him in this rotation. And we're not going to know until there are actual preseason games and film to go off of whether or not that's going to stay the case. Because if I, I think Borrego understands that he's got more than enough scores on the floor to make up for whatever defensive deficiencies. He does not have enough perimeter defenders. And I do not think that – I do believe that Booknight's minutes are tied with Cody Martin's. The minute Cody Martin's minutes go down, Booknight's will probably go up. The minute Book Knight, uh, uh, Cody Martin's minutes go down, Booknight's go up. So it, it, as long as people understand that these two guys are tied at the hip in terms of who's going to get more minutes – I do think it's going to be about defense. I do think that the extraneous part is going to be the passing, the assists. But I don't see a way that James Bucknight overtakes Cody Martin unless he has one hell of a preseason to start off the year with. Because otherwise, I just don't uh, man, see it. Man, I, I just think... I think you're right. I, I I think you're right to a certain degree that there's a possibility book night takes a little while to really get cooking. I, for instance, first game of the season, I don't think he pulls a DNP CD. You know, I, I don't think he's not a part of the rotation outright. It's just, you know, at, at what point is he going to become significant part of the rotation? Maybe to the tune of, I don't know, are you talking about 15 minutes per game, something like that? 20, you know, here's what Cody Martin got it. Cody Martin appeared in 52 contests. 
and he averaged 16.3 minutes per outing. And that was actually down from his 18.8 he played in his rookie season. His shooting percentage overall from the field, it went up, but his, and his three-point percentage went up, but it went up from 23 to 27%. You know, he's still an atrocious three-point shooter. He only averaged four yes. points a game. Like, I mean, not a, is that offense, it's just so bad that book night has to be somebody you can go to, especially with the offense that you lost this offseason. And I think that's the reason, and that's going to be, that might be the reason that James Brego was just forced to go with Book Knight, even if he has the defensive lapses that rookies will tend to give you. I, I, I get the thinking that Book Knight might take a little while and Brego might take it slow. I don't think slow means DNPCD or barely getting a taste. I think slow means. Um, you know, playing less minutes than he will the at once you're a month in, once you're two months in, and so on and so forth, improving. Uh, see, I want to agree with you. I really do want to agree with you on this. I really do. I do, but I'm not saying he gets DMPCDs, but I think he probably will end up being on that Jalen McDaniels plan. And I think, and I think you know what I mean. Like McDaniels got five minutes, five, seven minutes, ten minutes. And depending on the situation, he Borrego would ride with him for as long as he could. I think Book Knight's gonna earn that much. I also wonder, but I wonder just because this team is so poor defensively that I I just can't imagine Cody Martin not getting the lion's share of the minutes at backup to until Book Knight just demonstrably forces Borrego's hand on this because we've seen this happen before. We saw this with Devontae. Devontae earned that starting position, but it took a while. We saw this with LaMelo. It took a while. It's going to take a while for Book Knight to earn his spot and earn those lion's share of the minutes. And I'm not saying it's not going to be. I think he's going to do it. I'm just not sure it happens until December 15th, until that road trip. Like and that and that goes into one other thing that I do want to point out right quick. These numbers we're going to see a lot more guys play a lot more games, and I think teams are building to the point where you can play a 10, 11 man rotation getting started. And the big thing about all of this in that 10, 11 man rotation now is because you have a 82 game schedule in much fewer games. So therefore, you're going to have to have guys that are ready to play. And it may be book night one night. It might be Cody Martin another. And there are going to be those load management games that is going to skew these minutes rotation and the minutes distribution distribution. Wow, I can't talk in this Tuesday. This is not a good sign. But um, <laughs> this is going to all be very, very wonky and is all going to be very, very fluid. But I would expect, at least for right now, that we may see similar minutes for Cody Martin and James Booknight. It also may just really depend on the matchup, and it also really just may depend on how many games and how many days and how many how much you want to lean on these guys. All right, let's come back to this and finish up the backcourt conversation in just a moment, but not before we mention rockauto.com. This is what this episode is brought to you by. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your chain local uh, auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? 
You can save time and you can save money when using Rock Auto, and you don't have to choose to spend 30 all the way up to 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or new car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving, uh, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We put a wrap on the backcourt conversation, maybe tease a little of the frontcourt conversation coming up tomorrow. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You have gone to that in an after-school special show, <laughs> and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. Yes. I, you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because clerk, here's the thing, though. Clerks, clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and, for the most part, about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, let's finish up the backcourt conversation. Not as we talked a little about LaMelo, Terry, James Booknight, what kind of role he's going to play at the beginning of this season, Cody Martin, where he fits in all of this, which by the way, I mean, there was a very real possibility that Cody could have not been a part of this team anymore, but that's not going to happen. He's, he's, he's the guy. So uh, what about Wes Awundu? Nada. Is this someone that the Hornets traded for, for a reason, actually thinking he has a role in the backcourt, trying to play some defense and uh, at least be more of a reliable shooter than Cody Martin, even though three-point percentages aren't exactly great themselves. I would probably say whoever wins the loser-leave-town match between a Wundu and Cody Martin is most likely going to end up, again, competing for those minutes with James Booknight. Those two are just there to be good enough to push Book Knight to be better at one part of the on one part of the floor. We know he's a really, really, really good offensive player, better distributor than we think. He's just got to be competent defensively. And as long as he does that, we should be okay. But I'm not expecting them to be real real contributors. Now I could be wrong, and this could be one of those Mitch finds a open box special at big lots type thing, and he ends up being better than we think. But for right now, I'm not sure I see a guy that cracks the rotation unless Booknight is that bad on the defensive um, end. Guys, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be more closely out of the rotation, maybe your third, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not somebody that you're expecting to get a ton of minutes. Uh, Scotty Lewis, same thing. I mean, not expecting him to really do anything. Here's a question that's kind of serving as a perfect transition into the front court. How much should we have talked about Kelly Oubre, at least in this section? Now, I'm saving this for tomorrow because he can play that small forward spot maybe more so. But how much uh, how much minutes do you think are going to be available to Kelly Oubre to play that shooting guard spot? Like, if I'm honest with you, I think the guy we should have had, we probably should have talked up at the top, and that's Gordon Hayward. I think Oubre is more 3-4 and Gordon Hayward is 2-3. Like, I think that's the that's the dynamic that changes a lot of this. I think Oubre is going to do a lot of going to have a lot of the minutes that Miles Bridges took off the bench last year, along with P.J. Washington. And I'm doing entirely too much preview of tomorrow and I'm giving you tomorrow's episode today. So I'm going to stop 
But I'm going to say this. I do think that <laughs> if we were going to have that conversation of which swingman, which two, three is probably going to play a lot of two guard coming up. I think it's going to be much more of the Gordon Hayward experiment more than the Kelly Oubre thing. Yeah, I just think you're starting to see more guys come off of the bench in the front court, and maybe that leads Kelly Oubre to be pushed up towards the top. And this is somebody that does have some experience playing that two spot. He played a decent amount last year. At least that's what was registered. And so maybe we see that here with the Charlotte Hornets also. In fact, I think you probably do, and you always have to keep in mind, James Borrego, mad scientist, will pull out a bunch of different lineups to use at his disposal. Um, but let's talk a little more about Kelly Oubre. That's coming up tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, exploring the depth chart going to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, real quickly, Nada, let's go. You have LaMelo Balls, the starting point guard. Terry Rogier is the starting two. Then Ish Smith is your backup point guard. James Booknight, Cody Martin as those guys that might be pushing for that two spot. You think maybe Gordon Hayward gets some spot star, uh, not starts, but just some spot minutes there. And then we can talk about a wound and, uh, and even a Scotty Lewis at a very, very low degree. That fair. Is that what you kind of think in your depth chart? I, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking, yeah, Scotty, if Scotty Lewis makes this roster or gets major minutes at the big club, Something has gone completely wrong. And we should be praying for lottery luck. That's what I'm going to leave. Uh, that's 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 uh, that's really really fair. All right. Thanks again for joining us. As always, thanks to our sponsors and partners, RockAuto.com. Thanks to Sweatblock. Go out there and purchase Sweatblock. It's an amazing product. Nada talks about it, but love it as well here on this end. Uh, appreciate you guys for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA or any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk about the front court then. Oh,